Hello, this is Father John, Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 33rd presentation on Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The 133 presentations given by Pope John Paul II between the years 1979-1984. We're indebted to Professor Michael Waldstein, whose edition we're using The reflections we are developing in the present cycle are concerned with the words that Christ spoke in the Sermon on the Mount about the concupiscent desire for a woman on the part of a man in the attempt to go on to a thorough, in-depth examination of what characterizes the man of concupiscence. We went back again to Genesis. There the situation created in the reciprocal relationship of man and woman is sketched with great acuteness. The single sentence of Genesis chapter 3 are very eloquent. The words of God Yahweh addressed to the woman in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, Your desire shall be for your husband, but he will dominate you, seems to reveal to deeper analysis in what way the relationship of reciprocal gift which existed between them in the state of original innocence changed after original sin into a relationship of reciprocal appropriation. If a man relates to a woman in such a way that he considers her only as an object to appropriate and not as a gift, he condemns himself at the same time to become, on his part too, only an object of appropriation for her, and not a gift. It seems that the words of Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 deal with this two-sided relationship, although they directly say only, he will dominate you. Further, in one-sided appropriation, which is indirectly two-sided, the structure of communion among the persons disappears. Both human beings become almost incapable of reaching the inner measure of the heart directed toward the freedom of the gift and the spousal meaning of the body, which is intrinsic to that measure. The words of Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 seem to suggest that this happens more at the woman's expense and that in any case she feels it more than the man. It is worth turning our attention to this detail at least. The words of God, Yahweh, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, Your desire shall be for your husband, but he will dominate you. And those of Christ, according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Whoever looks at a woman to desire her, allow us to see a certain parallelism. The main point is perhaps not that it is above all the woman who becomes an object of desire on the part of the man, but rather as we stressed before, see Theology of the Body 17 at 6, that the man ought to have been from the beginning the guardian of the reciprocity of the gift and of its true balance. The analysis of that beginning, Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, shows precisely the man's responsibility in welcoming femininity as a gift. See Theology of the Body 15 at 3 and in receiving it in a mutual two-sided exchange. It is in open conflict with this exchange to take from the woman her own gift by concupiscence. 
Although maintaining the balance of the gift seems to be something entrusted to both, the man has a special responsibility as if it depended more on him whether the balance is kept or violated, or even if it has already been violated, re-established. Certainly, the diversity of roles according to these statements to which we are turning here as the key texts was also dictated by the social marginalization of women in the conditions of that time. Sacred scripture, both of the Old and the New Testaments, gives us sufficient examples. Nevertheless, there is a truth contained in it that has its own weight, independent of specific forms of conditioning due to the customs that determinate historical situation the inner measure of belonging. Concupiscence has the effect that the body becomes, as it were, a terrain of appropriation of the other person. It is easy to understand that this brings with it the loss of the spousal meaning of the body, and together with this loss another meaning also attaches to the reciprocal belonging of the persons who, uniting in such a way as to be one flesh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, are at the same time called to belong to each other. The particular dimension of the personal union of man and woman through love expresses itself in the word my, this pronoun which has always belonged to the language of human love often recurs in the verses of the Song of Songs and also in other biblical texts. See, for example, Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 9, verses 13 through 16, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, verses 8 through 10, 13 and 14, 16 and 17, chapter 3, verse 2, verses 4 and 5, chapter 4, verse 1, and 10, chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 4, chapter 6, verse 2, through 4, and 9, chapter 7, verse 11, chapter 8, verse 12, and 14. See also Ezekiel, chapter 16, verse 8, Hosea, chapter 2, verse 18, Tobit, chapter 8, verse 7. In its material meaning, this pronoun denotes a relation of possession, but in our case, it points to the personal analogy of such a relation. The reciprocal belonging of man and woman, especially when they belong to each other as spouses in the unity of the body, is formed according to this personal analogy. Analogy, as is well known, indicates at one and the same time similarity and also the lack of identity that is, a substantial dissimilarity. We can speak of the reciprocal belonging of persons only if we take this analogy into account. In fact, in its original and specific meaning, belonging presupposes the relation of the subject to the object, a relation of possession and property. It is not only an objective relation, but above all material, the belonging of something, thus of an object, to someone. In the eternal language of human love, the term my does not, this is certain, have this meaning. It indicates the reciprocity of giving. It expresses the equilibrium of the gift. 
perhaps precisely this in the first place, that is, the equilibrium of the gift in which the reciprocal communio personarum is established. And if this communion is established through the reciprocal gift of masculinity and femininity, the spousal meaning of the body is also preserved in it. Indeed, in the language of love, the word my seems to be a radical negation of belonging in the sense in which a material object thing belongs to the subject person. The analogy keeps its function as long as it does not fall into the meaning explained above. The threefold concupiscence, and in particular the concupiscence of the flesh, deprives the reciprocal belonging of man and woman of the dimension proper to the personal analogy, in which the term my keeps its essential meaning. This essential meaning lies outside the law of property, outside the meaning of object of possession. Concupiscence, by contrast, is oriented toward the latter meaning. From possessing, the next step is enjoyment. The object I possess gains a certain significance for me inasmuch as it is at my disposal and I put it to my service. I use it. It is evident that the personal analogy of belonging is decidedly opposed to such a meaning, and this opposition is a sign that what comes from the Father in the reciprocal relation of the man and the woman still persists and continues in the face of what comes from the world. Concupiscence of itself, however, pushes man toward the possession of the other as an object, pushes him toward enjoyment, which carries with it the negation of the spousal meaning of the body. In its essence, the disinterested gift is excluded by egoistical enjoyment. Do not the words of God, Yahweh, addressed to the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, already speak of this? According to the first letter of St. John, chapter 2, verse 16, concupiscence shows above all the state of the human spirit. The concupiscence of the flesh, too, bears witness, in the first place, to the state of the human spirit. We should devote a further analysis to this problem. When we apply Johannine theology to the terrain of the experiences described in Genesis chapter 3, as well as to the words of Christ spoken in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, we find a concrete dimension, so to speak, of the opposition between the spirit and the body that was born together with sin in the human heart. Its consequences make themselves felt in the reciprocal relation of persons whose unity in humanity has from the beginning been determined by the fact that they are man and woman. From the moment in which another law, at war with the law of the mind, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verse 23, installed itself in man, there exists an almost constant danger of a way of seeing, of evaluating, of loving, such that the desire of the body shows itself stronger than the desire of the mind. And it is precisely this truth about man, this anthropological component, that we must always keep in mind if we want to gain a thorough and deeper understanding of the appeal Christ made to the human heart in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And with these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 32nd Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. Two things really strike me in this 33rd Catechesis of the Holy Father. One is reciprocity and the other concupiscence. As a way of review, we're in the first part of John Paul's Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The first part is focusing on the words of Christ. Christ appealing to the human heart. Whoever looks with lust upon another has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Christ appeals to our hearts, and not just the hearts of those who heard him initially, even down to our own day, even until the last human being on the face of the earth. He appeals to our hearts. He whose heart was pierced for love of us and for love of the Father on Calvary's cross. Pope John Paul II has written to us about the man of concupiscence, that is, the man with a tendency to sin, to sin with our souls, to sin with our bodies, to sin in ourselves against others, against God, against ourself. The man of concupiscence, fallen man, this is about us. And then the Holy Father addresses the inner measure of belonging. It's very interesting. He does do a philological sketch here, focusing on the word my, to belong. This is my car, this is my house, these are my clothes. But even he speaks to us about the word my, analogically speaking, in an analogous manner. This is my beloved, as the scripture speaks. When we speak of a car, a house, clothing, when we speak of possessions, this is mine, it's about an object, but a human being is another self, not an object, not a means to an end, not something to be used, but someone to receive and to be received, the gift of self. So that's in way of retrospect and overview. The two things that struck me in this 33rd Catechesis, though, reciprocity and concupiscence, even though he's passing from his major heading of the man of concupiscence, it still is present, because it's still present in our human nature. But before we look at our Holy Father's presentation on concupiscence in this 33rd Catechesis, let's look at reciprocity. The Holy Father says that the reciprocal relationship sketched with great acuteness in Genesis. So how is the reciprocal relationship between husband and wife, between man and woman, present in Genesis? Adam saw his wife. Adam knew his wife. The two become one flesh. The concupiscence enters in, the tendency to sin in our body, in our soul, against ourselves, against others, against God, that enters in with original sin. But the original unity of the two, that reciprocal relationship to have and to hold, this is part of God's good creation. There is no reciprocity if one is standing on their head or doing cartwheels, bending over backwards, and the other is just sitting on the couch, picking glint out of the belly button. The famous country song, Put another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans. Go out to the car and change my tire. Fetch my pipe and sew my old blue jeans. And it ends up the guy is treating his wife like a slave, domestic servant. There's no reciprocity there. Again, Pope John Paul II addresses reciprocity in these words. The relationship of reciprocal gift, which existed between them in the state of original innocence, changed after original sin. Before Christ Jesus appeals to the human heart, our Holy Father presented how he 
had appealed first to the beginning. People were asking if it was okay to offer a bill of divorce, and he said it was because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses allowed a bill of divorce. It was not that way in the beginning. So here, Pope John Paul II is focusing our attention on the relationship of the reciprocal gift, the husband to his wife, the wife to her husband, the reciprocal each to the other gift, the way it existed before the fall, in the state of original innocence. None of us have experienced that. We are all conceived and born in original sin, with its consequences, suffering, death, ignorance, or difficulty to know the truth, and even that tendency to sin, concupiscence. And that changes everything. And Christ Jesus, by his death and resurrection, changes us grace applied to our lives, whereby which we can fight the tendency to sin, whereby which we can unite our sufferings to Christ's and our deaths too, whereby we can know the truth which will set us free, not only by the natural light of our human intelligence, reason, but even by God's special revelation, both in the Old and New Testaments and in the fullness of time in the person of Christ. He who sees me has seen the Father. The Father and I are one. When I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. And in this way, God has initiated a reciprocal relationship between himself and his people, first through Israel and now through Mother Church, the new Israel. And while there is not parity between God and his people, there is a relationship there. It's not just God, and it's not just Israel. It's not just God, and it's not just the church. The church is the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. And when when we receive the Holy Eucharist, the sacrament of the altar, we become one with the Lord, body united. Pope John Paul II continues his study of reciprocity in this 33rd catechesis when he says the changed relationship is reciprocal appropriation so instead of reciprocal gift a reciprocal relationship now it's reciprocal appropriation i take to myself she takes to herself so now it's what's in it for me i'm not getting what i want and there you can recognize the disorder That's the consequence of original sin. Those are ruptured relationships, which can be overcome by God's grace, and only with God's grace, which we need so much, and which he so generously gives through the mediation of his bride, Mother Church, especially in the sacraments. Pope John Paul II addresses reciprocity yet again when he says, The man was to have been from the beginning the guardian of the reciprocity of the gift and of its true balance. We can see a little chivalry coming out here in the Holy Father appointing the guardian of reciprocity in the person of the man, not as if uh, St. Joan of Arc and the ladies cannot defend and guard the gift, but I think it's in view of Christ being bridegroom of Mother Church and the headship of the husband that Pope John Paul II says this, the reciprocity of the gift of self and its true balance, not just 100% on the wife's part and nothing on the husband's part, or not just 100% on the husband's part and nothing on the wife's part, not just 50-50, 
Oh, well, I did my part. No, 100% on each part. And God gives the interest. That's the great balance. Pope John Paul II, throughout this catechesis, addresses reciprocity. And so he continues by saying, The reciprocal belonging of man and woman, especially when they belong to each other as spouses in the unity of the body, is formed according to the personal analogy. And what's important about the personal analogy, there is similarity and lack of identity. The personal analogy between my beloved, my truck, for example. And so my truck, that is not part of this personal reciprocity between my beloved. There's something similar to it, but there's something way different. Because the things we have, the things we own, we can use, and we should use well, and they should give us pleasure. This is my dinner. This is my sweater to keep warm, to appear handsome in. But you say, this is my beloved. This is my husband. This is my wife. These are my children. This is part of the personal analogy. They are not ours as things are ours, but there is a relationship. And that's what the Holy Father is drawing out in this catechesis. Pope John Paul II speaks yet again about reciprocity with a little hint of concupiscence. The threefold concupiscence of the eyes of the flesh, pride of life, remember, St. John's letter. The threefold concupiscence and the concupiscence of the flesh particularly deprives the reciprocal belonging of man and woman of the dimension proper to the personal analogy in which the term my keeps its essential meaning. Concupiscence tears down and wants to make of the other an object, the object of our affection, but not an object to be bought or sold, to be used or discarded at will. The tendency to sin, the tendency to sin in our bodies, with our bodies, concupiscence of the flesh, together with the other sorts, impacts our relationships one with another, and even with ourselves. Pope John Paul II further addresses reciprocity when he says, The personal analogy is opposed to using the other as an object. This is a sign that what comes from the Father in the reciprocal relation of man and woman still persists in the face of what comes from the world. What comes from the world is the original sin we inherit as we enter the world, conceived in sin, born in sin. What comes from the Father is grace and truth in Christ Jesus. Here the Holy Father is reminding us the personal analogy is opposed to the using of the other as an object. How wonderful. We can act as if we're not redeemed, and unfortunately too often we do. But even still, a nagging, well-formed conscience, oh, I shouldn't do this, oh, this should not be done. Or perhaps others who have a well-formed conscience, you should not do that. Remember, it is a work of mercy, not only to instruct the ignorant, but to rebuke or correct the sinner. And so often, our tendency to sin is not merely greed, is not merely impatience, sometimes even is lust a disordered attraction, a disordered exercise of our affections. The reciprocal relation of man and woman, husband and wife, still persists in the face of what comes from the world, thanks to the personal analogy. This is my car, these are my shoes. 
this is my wife, this is my husband. Very different. The word my is there. It's present. But the relationship we have with the things we use, the things we own, is different from the relationship, please God, we have with our beloved. And that makes all the difference. And while so much of our Holy Father's attention was focused on reciprocity, in this 33rd Catechesis on man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, he also addresses concupiscence. This is the tendency to sin. It's a consequence of original sin, the fall of man. There seems to be some confusion when others read or listen or study Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body. They discount the reality or the effects of concupiscence. I think it's very difficult to justify such a downplaying because our Holy Father addresses it seemingly throughout. He says, what characterizes the man of concupiscence? Well, I'll tell you what characterizes the man of concupiscence. A tendency to sin. John Paul II reminded us of St. John's writings, concupiscence of the eyes, the way I look at another. And also, oh, I see something glittering there leads me to covet my neighbor's goods, or my neighbor's wife, or my neighbor's husband, as the case might be. What characterizes the man of concupiscence is a tendency to sin in my soul, in my body, in myself, against God, against others, against myself. That's what characterizes the man of concupiscence. Perhaps what characterizes the man of concupiscence more is our need for Christ, our need for God's grace, our need for redemption. That, too, is part of what characterizes the man of concupiscence, how the image of God is disfigured in us and how we need to be restored, renewed. Further, on concupiscence, in this 33rd catechesis on man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, Pope John Paul II says, to take from the woman her own gift by concupiscence is in open conflict with the mutual gift of self. What does that mean? To take from the woman her own gift, her gift of self, by concupiscence. This is obvious in case of rape, which is so awful, a sin against the gift of self. But even in her own femininity, in her own person, just to take this for granted, or to turn her into an object of lust, even lust with the hard lust of the eyes, this is against the gift of self. This is a consequence of concupiscence, the tendency to sin within us. And it's true the way women deal with men also. It's not just a sin of men. Concupiscence, the tendency to do evil. Sin is an equal opportunity offender, as it were. Concupiscence has the effect that the body becomes, as it were, the terrain, Pope John Paul II says, of appropriation of the other person. We use the body to glorify God when we genuflect, when we kneel, when we fold our hands, when we bow our heads in prayer. And even when the couple engages in the nuptial embrace, this glorifies God in the body. But concupiscence, the tendency to sin, the tendency to do evil, changes the body, turns the body into the terrain of appropriation, just bringing to myself my pleasure, my wants, my needs, instead of gift of self to the other. I want to please the other. Here the Holy Father is warning us against the tendency to sin with our bodies when he speaks of concupiscence, changing the body into a terrain of appropriation of the other person. Concupiscence, Pope John Paul II says, is oriented toward the meaning of my in the sense of the law of property, 
object of possession. Concupiscence treats the other as if the other is an object, not as a person. And that is very offensive to our tripersonal God in whose image we are made. God who is love. God who gives himself fully in the person of Christ on the cross. And even still in the sacrament of the altar. Finally, our Holy Father addresses concupiscence one more time in this 33rd catechesis when he says, Concupiscence of itself pushes man toward the possession of the other as an object. And we know from physics that an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless it is met by equal or greater opposing force. It's only grace which can overcome concupiscence. Grace won by Christ, the bridegroom of Mother Church on the cross. That pushes us away from concupiscence and into the arms of the Lord, and husbands into the arms of their wives, and wives into the arms of their husband, in that nuptial embrace and chaste. All of these are meditations on the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Pope John Paul II is helping us to focus on the words of Jesus Christ. He alone is our salvation. Until next time, God bless you.